What's going on, guys? Happy Thanksgiving, first and foremost. And um, so in this morning's podcast, I want to talk about some fantasy players. This can be an all fantasy talk pod. Um, some guys that have been disappointing in the at least for the majority of the season or at least started that way and that I think we can trust moving forward. So disappointing players based on where we drafted them, where we what we you know paid for them, essentially, and why I think we can trust them moving forward and which ones I think we can trust moving forward. So the, there probably are a couple other ones. Like, for example, I, you know, maybe this is just me being stubborn. I kind of wanted to put Saquon Barkley on this list, but I can't sit here with a straight face and say that I definitely trust him, you know, moving forward because it, it's been rough. Like, there was a stat posted by somebody yesterday, I think I shared it, where like since last year, I believe it was, Saquon and Baker Mayfield have the exact same amount of rush attempts, yards, and rushing touchdowns, you know, in that time. So it's just with Saquon, the talent is undeniable. But I just, you know, and maybe it was all Jason Garrett slash health slash offensive line, but in my opinion, if you would have put Dalvin Cook on that Giants you know, as they're starting running back in those exact amount of games, I mean, I think that the production would have been significantly greater. Or if you put Christian McCaffrey there, if you put, you know, Nick Chubb there, I just think that at a certain point, we do have to put some of the onus on Saquon Barkley himself, because I'm not just willing to sit here and make excuses, you know, for multiple years now. Um, there have been some issues with him in terms of when you watch him on film, like, he doesn't always have the greatest instincts as a runner. He doesn't always take the play exactly where it's supposed to go. And that's been something that's kind of like we knew about him coming out, but it was like, dude, he's going to take some plays that should go for th- that are 90% of the time will go for three yards for 73 yards and a touchdown. You know, he has that ability to kind of make up for it, but maybe with the health stuff lately, that hasn't been as much on display. So it's been kind of shining a more glaring light on the weaknesses, I guess you could say. But in any case, I wanted to put him on this list, but I just couldn't do it because I can't say without a doubt that I do trust him moving forward. Um, anyways, so number one on my list here is Brandon Ayuk. There's going to be five guys total, just so you know. So Brandon Ayuk, dude, I think that this guy is finally becoming, it's not, I don't even want to say it like that because where it hasn't been because of a, a, a lack of talent or really, in my opinion, at least, anything against the player as to why he hasn't been productive early. I mean, we all drafted this guy in the fifth round. I, I thought he was a good draft pick in the fifth round. I, I like guys like Robert Woods more, but we see Woods now out for the year with injury. But my point is, I think that Brandon Ayuk is, is a dude that, um, look, the production, as I mentioned, was not about him. It was about Kyle Shanahan just not wanting to use him for whatever that reason might have been. Maybe Shanahan's some evil genius and was like, hey, I'm going to make everybody just focus solely on Debo Samuel and, and George Kittle, and then I'm going to unleash Brandon Ayuk when we're sitting there tightly in a tight wild card race. I don't know. But the point is, over the last three games, and if you even go back to the fourth one uh, four weeks ago, he's played 88% or higher of snaps in each of the last four games. In, a, in, each of the, in the last three, it's been 90% or more. So that's his best um, snap counts, highest snap counts of the season. So that, you know, from that standpoint, that's encouraging. In two of the last three games, he had last week seven catches, 85 yards and a touchdown. Two weeks ago, six catches, 85, 89 yards and a touchdown. So 
those are two good games. And here's the most encouraging part about that, right? You want to point to two weeks ago where he just had, I think it was like three catches, 24 yards, no touchdown. And I understand. But here's the thing. The last two weeks, Jimmy Garoppolo's attempted 41 passes, 41 in the last two weeks combined. That in a perfect world for Shanahan, I'm sure that he wouldn't like that to necessarily go up. Um, or he wouldn't mind if it didn't, because that means that they're that means they're playing their kind of game where they want to be very much a run heavy team. However, I think it's very likely that that does come up. And even if you go back to just last week, right? He was accounting for. I mean, he he caught seven of seven targets on Jimmy's twenty one attempts, so he's over thirty percent. A third, he's basically a third, um, exactly a third in terms of the target market share. So that's important, right? And um, I just think that Brandon Ayuk now. We have to see he's showing us what he's doing now, right? Shanahan, that is. And Ayuk is showing us who he could be or, or who, you know, that he can be who we thought he could be before the season started. So for those reasons, I just think that this is going to continue. I mean, again, Debo Samuel's the wide receiver one uh, over the last four weeks in terms of points per game scored. So I think that if you just look at that, like Debo is going to get the majority of attention because he's like top five receiver all season long in fantasy. So he's going to be getting a lot of attention. George Kittle now back and healthy. He's going to be getting the secondary attention, I would say, or maybe even the most. And so Ayuk is going to be the third guy that defenses are worried about. And for good reason in terms of what he's done production wise this year. And so I think that it's just all of that spells out to Brandon Ayuk being a legitimate, I'm not going to call him a wide receiver too, although he definitely could be. I just think he's going to be a very high-end flex play, you know, from this point on. And I think a lot of times, in many leagues at least, we probably could have picked this guy up off waivers in recent weeks or even maybe as a free agent if you did it three weeks ago. So to me, I think that I do trust him moving forward because, again, it's always been – uh, an issue that's not related directly to his talent, at least in my opinion. So the talent's always been there, and we're starting to see if you've given the ball, good things are going to happen. Brandon Ayuk was a first-round pick just two years ago for very good reason. He was a top 25 player on my board. So, yes, I trust Ayuk moving forward. Number two, Miles Sanders. Finally, right, I've been I've been clamoring for the Eagles to run the ball, right? And then I might have even bitten off more than I can chew in that regard because the last, like, four or five weeks – They've been pounding the ball, you know, and I mean, Jalen Hurts has been leading the way a lot of times in terms of just like, or at least right up there on their teams, 15 carry games and stuff like that. I love it. Um, but, you know, this is what I expected from the Eagles starting off the season. I said, hey, they're going to run the hell out of the ball. And then I, ironically enough, Miles Sanders goes out with injury and then they say, hey, let's start running the hell out of the ball. And it worked, right? You'd be, I mean, this is like, you can flashback to the Bears days of Jordan Howard out there, you know, producing at a high level uh, as a runner. And Howard, and a, another reason why I like Sanders and trust him more moving forward is because I think this week is huge for him. I think uh, Howard is very unlikely to play this week. Okay, he's doubtful right now. So, um, so I think that with him out, this is going to be a week where Sanders is even that much more likely to see a, a higher workload than usual or than he was at least before the injury because last week – in his first game back from injury, a game where he played fewer than 50% of the snaps, he still had a season high in rush attempts. And he still 
and he averaged, I should say, he averaged nearly six yards a carry on those attempts. So, um, you know, the reasons I like Sanders, number one, is, of course, the Eagles have found their identity, and I think that's going to continue moving forward as the weather gets colder all over, especially in Philadelphia. They have a favorable schedule moving forward. Jordan Howard is likely out this week. Last week, we saw Sanders in just 46% of the snaps, average almost 5.9 yards a carry on a season-high rush attempts of 16. And, by the way, They've got a relatively soft schedule for the remainder of the season. They play the Giants this week. They got the Jets next week. Next game is against Washington, New York, uh, Giants again, Washington, and then Dallas. So it's not a terrible schedule. I think that if you are like me and you drafted Miles Sanders in the fourth round or wherever you got him and you still have him on your roster, well, like for example, me in one of my in my home league with Josh, I have Miles, I'm sorry, uh, Michael Carter just got hurt, right? Well, guess what? I've had Sanders just sitting on the bench all year long anyway. So perfect timing, plug him right in there. And, um, you know, and, and he's a solid third running back for me. So, um, I think that if you've done that, or if you have him on your roster in any way, shape or form at this point, I think you can trust him moving forward. Now, the dilemma I have in that league is is uh, the fact that I also have Antonio Gibson, so I've got to make the decision between Gibson and Sanders every week here and uh, moving forward. And, and and I think on the surface you could say, well, Gibson's the guy, right? But to me, Philly is just – I feel like with what they've shown us over the last month or so of the season, they're going to run the hell out of the football. So it's going to be tough for me to not play him – in certain situations, even over Antonio Gibson, I think. So it's it's going to be – that's the only kind of, um, um, you know, difficult part of this for me is is that. But even then before, I had Michael Carter as well. So, um, anyways, things are getting weird there at my running back situation because I'm just so loaded. But the larger point I'm trying to make here is that we can trust Miles Sanders moving forward. And if he's your third running back, I think you are in a great position, you know, to just – to just be strong at that at that running back spot for the rest of the way because I do think that he'll see multiple twenty carry games for the rest you know in in uh, over the rest of the season I think that that'll happen many many times so um, plus with Jalen Hurts running the ball so effectively and the offensive line playing so well for Philly it just it's a very good situation there and then also Sirianni's dialing up some some good plays and stuff the Eagles are clicking on all cylinders Miles Sanders is going to be a very big part of that offense in my opinion plus. Gainwell has basically been phased out of the offense. So with Jordan Howard out this week, I love Miles Sanders to go off uh, potentially this week. All right, number three guy for me is Christian McCaffrey. So McCaffrey, the only reason he's even on this list is not because he's not been a productive guy when in there, but he missed several games with injury. And then it was kind of feeling like, man, can we trust him? Is he going to stay healthy? Well, in the three games that he's been back, he has uh, had 18 touches, 23 touches, 17 touches. He is completely game flow proof. Like if they go out and get blown out, he's going to catch 10 passes. You know, it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a perfect storm in that regard, right? And then when you look at, I mean, if they're winning the game, he's going to carry it 20 times. Last week, by the way, and this is an indication on where his health is, he played 90% of the snaps. This is his most since he's been back with inj- from the injury. So Cam, as I mentioned about Jalen Hurts, Cam makes life easier for Christian McCaffrey in many ways. Number one, the offense will just be better. So McCaffrey will be more effective because if you have a bad offense and a great running back, a la Saquon Barkley there in New York, it's tough for that guy to be really dynamic, you know, in a bad offense. Now, Cam Newton there, we've already seen the offense is better, right? And so, I mean, Sam Donald was really bad. So I think that 
that in itself makes McCaffrey better. But I think also the fact that they're going to run Cam a lot, especially early on, in my opinion, and he had 10 carries last week. I think he needed to be carrying it more like 13 to 15 times. But in any case, if Cam's getting at least 10 carries a game, which I think is going to be basically the floor for him in that way, in that regard, I think that makes McCaffrey a much better player because the defense is going to have to really focus on stopping Cam Newton because he is dangerous, as we all know. Uh, he's dangerous with his arm too, but he's very much a dangerous guy when he starts running and he gets rolling that way. So, um, and by the way, over the last four weeks, McCaffrey's the uh, the RB six in points per game, half PPR scoring at eighteen point four, you know, fantasy points per game. So he's been he's been productive lately. He's been seeing a high workload. He's had ninety percent snaps the last week, highest since coming back from injury. I think all those reasons, plus the fact that the Panthers are in must win mode, right? If you want to make the playoffs, you've got to finish with a better record than the Eagles and a better record than the Vikings because they beat you, you know, and I think that, you know, and uh, yeah, so I think that reason there alone means if it's must win time, it's must use our best player time. And that's Christian McCaffrey. So that's another reason why I like him. Another one here is Clyde Eversley Lair, number four for me. I think that Clyde, when you look at it, he's in a similar boat to McCaffrey in that he wasn't necessarily not productive. He was actually seeing about 16 touches per game or, or over 16 touches per game over his first uh, four games of the season before the injury. And then last week in his first game back, he had 14 touches, 76 yards and a touchdown. He averaged over five yards per carry. So what does that tell me? That tells me that the Chiefs were very careful in terms of not bringing Clyde back too soon. That like in the fact that I didn't know if we could trust him last week. So I'm like, hey, Daryl Williams is playing really well. Maybe if Clyde comes back, they'll inch him into action and not, you know, not want to rush him back if he's not 100% healthy. Well, the fact that he played almost 50% of the snaps and he got a pretty, you know, decent sized workload immediately, that tells me that they think that he's fully healthy and ready to go. And now he's got a bye week and we see what happens to guys when they come off a bye week, right? Like a lot of times when you look at their the teams are going to evaluate themselves and see why aren't we successful on the offensive side of the ball or as successful as we normally have been in, in the case of Kansas City. And for them, I think they're going to look at it and say, maybe we need to run the hell out of the football because when they decide to run it, whether it be with Daryl Williams, Clyde Edwards, Elaire, whatever, they're extremely effective. You know, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Clyde averaged over five yards of carry in his first game back. I think this offensive line, as I mentioned all season long, should be and probably is starting to get better as a unit. And um, a lot of times, especially with run blocking, that takes that just takes time to build up that continuity. And I think they're there now, you know, as we enter week 12. So I think that for all those reasons, man, it just makes a lot of sense to me that to expect the higher workload for Clyde, to expect the higher run percentage for Kansas City in general. And if Clyde is their lead back, which I mean, by last week's indication and by, by the other games he's been healthy this year, we should say he's definitely their lead back. You know, even even if that means 60% to 40% Daryl Williams, I think that's still a very valuable piece in such a potent or what should be, could be at least, a very potent offense moving forward. So um, to me, I just think that Clyde edwards Lair, if you've got him on your roster at this point, you've got a guy that is going to be, uh, I think uh, at least the low end RB two, potentially even a high end RB two moving forward. So I trust him in that. You know, if we like, maybe not to return value on the third round ADP, maybe that's not going to happen. I don't know. Maybe it will, but I think that he's a safe RB two for you moving forward uh, the rest of the way. And at this point of the year, you probably have him as a flex option. You know, so that works out. And I think that again, 
it just makes a ton of sense for Kansas City to to be encouraged to run the football more than they maybe would have otherwise if the offense was clicking just through the air. Because let's be honest, even last week, the pass game wasn't dynamic, even in another win against the Cowboys. And when they're they're maybe they're shifting to um, you know, more of a uh, like good defense. If you want to play to your defense, that also makes more sense to run the football. So I think that's another another reason why we could see that. And if Clyde gets the workload, in my opinion, he's going to be a very dynamic player. So um, I like him a lot, and that's why he's on this list. So number five and the fifth and final guy I'm going to talk about right now is Javante Williams. So Javante, as I mentioned about Clyde and and um, you know, guys coming off their bye week. We saw it earlier in the year with Michael Carter, Elijah Moore. A lot of times the coaching staff is going to look at it and say, hey, who can we get more involved? And I think when you look at what your guy, your rookie running back that you traded up high into the second round to get, Javante Williams, what he's done over the last seven games in particular, he's averaging nearly six yards a carry, 5.9 to be exact, over his last seven games. Um, he's at, he's had 10 touches in every game this season. Um he just two weeks ago had his first 100-yard rushing game of his career. So he's their best player at the running back position, guys. He might be their best player on the offense, period, you know, and at least in terms of skill players, right? So, oh, by the way, last week against Philadelphia, or in their last game against Philadelphia where they got blown out 30-13, to 13, he saw what was his highest snap percentage of the season. So to me, Javante Williams is, number one, their best running back. Number two, you're in a position now in Denver where, like I said about the Panthers, right? You're like, you're in a position where you have to win most of your game. Like you're basically in almost must win mode moving forward in a very packed a uh, AFC wildcard race. So if you want any chance, and I think that, I think that the uh, coach there, um, I'm blanking on his name right now. Sorry. I think he's on the hot seat is my point. And I think that when you're on the hot seat and you're in must win mode, you can't, stick to your guns of like, oh, we're going to get Melvin Gordon. Like Melvin Gordon's early back. Like, dude, he's clearly not as dynamic as Javante Williams. And that offense, being that you have Teddy Bridgewater as your quarterback, you're not really going to be full of dynamic plays through the air, right? So I think that getting Javante the ball, getting him the ball as much as possible would be a good thing for your offense because, again, he's your best running back. And I, and I, he might even be your he might even be your best skill player. So um, – for all those reasons, combined with the fact that, uh, and of course, Vic Fangio is the damn coach's name. I just remember that. But co combined with the fact that, again, you're coming off a of bye week and, and we've seen many more examples, not just Michael Carter and Elijah Moore. Those are the ones I've, I've highlighted this season. So I was just using them as an example. It's very likely that that Vic Fangio looks at his, his, um, at his team and says, hey, you know, this dude is – legitimately averaging six yards a carry over basically half a season. You know, we need to get him the ball more. I think that's a very logical assumption. I think that if you want to be smart and play to the strength of your team, which should be your defense, again, that's going to lend towards running the ball more. If you want to keep Melvin Gordon involved, I'm totally fine with that. But let's give Javante the 60% of the workload at least. And let's just ride that. I mean, let's ride the hot hand. He's clearly the hotter guy in terms of what he's doing at, at the running back spot for Denver than what Melvin Gordon is. So I don't know. I just think that Javante Williams as a, even and and plus he's a rookie that has, <clears throat> excuse me, that has seen 10 touches per game in every game this season. 
you know, and some of them are weird, like four carries, six catches, whatever. He's somehow or another seen 10 touches in every single game. And so I think that it's very likely for his workload to increase. And for a guy that's averaging basically six yards a carry, you know, over the last seven games, if he gets a higher workload, you do the math, right? If he, I mean, you saw it in the Cowboy game. He got a season high in carries, 17 turned into 111 yards. Um, I think that also, for whatever reason, he hasn't scored touchdowns. Maybe that's because Melvin Gordon is is the guy they trust in those situations and all that nonsense. Like, I get that because I'm very skeptical of rookies myself in a lot of cases. But this dude is clearly the more productive player. So I think that it makes a whole lot of sense that the coaching staff start trusting him in, in more of the goal-to-go situations and stuff like that, or maybe even short yardage or whatever. Plus, if there's a guy in that backfield that has the ability to, to hit home runs, at least most often, it's him. He's he's a bigger – he just has more burst at this stage in the career than Melvin Gordon does. So for me, Javante Williams is a guy that I think is likely to see a bigger workload moving forward, and he's also likely to keep averaging right around – you know, at least over five yards a carry, even with a larger workload. So to me – Javante Williams is the guy I trust moving forward. Do I think he'll be an RB2? No, I don't think I don't think we can say that confidently he'll be an RB2. I definitely think that's within the range of outcomes for him, but I think he'll be a very high-end flex play moving forward. And I'm just gonna essentially on the in the leagues that I have him in, and some of you guys are in leagues with me, so you'll see this. I'm gonna be starting him. I mean, that's, that's just a reality of it. I'm gonna be starting him without even thinking about it in every week. And I think that it's gonna pay off because again. He's a super talented guy, and um, yeah, so that's about it. So anyways, have a happy Thanksgiving, guys. Enjoy all your food. Uh, Josh and I will be recording the, the remainder of the start sits that I don't answer on the Instagram stickers tonight. We'll be, you know, that'll probably get posted, I'm, a, I'm hoping, at about 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. We're also going to be posting or recording a um, week, a full Week 12 preview for the Sunday and Monday games and, and all that. So we'll get that done and, and post it up for you at some point tomorrow as well. Um, take care. Talk to you guys soon. Peace.